0: Go to IDSFranchiseMarketing.com for a complimentary digital audit and consultation. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Mike Leonard with Taquerian. Welcome, Mike.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Takarean, How you serving folks?
1: Yeah, so Takerian uh, uh, started about 12 years ago in Washington, D.C. It's a quick service, fast casual restaurant chain, and it's it served uh, down the line in front of customers, uh, rice bowl and taco concept. So, you know, very much in line with the build your own bowl concept that we're seeing a lot of. Um, and it's uh, Korean inspired with kind of a Latin American twist in terms of flavoring.
0: And um, right now, did you started it- – are you the founder of it? Did you start it or you're the yes. current CEO? Uh Yes,
1: yeah, so I'm the founder and and I still run the company today. Uh, we actually started out of a food truck back in 2010 um, and then by 2012 and 2014 we opened our first two uh, fixed locations and in 2015 we actually retired the food truck uh, and continued to to pursue um, uh, you know inline and, and bricks and mortar restaurants.
0: So, when you started it, did you envision it at some point to be a franchise and you were just kind of testing the waters with the food truck, or is this something that just kind of organically grew over time?
1: Yeah, franchising is something that um, was not on my mind when I very first started. However, uh, in the early days, in 2011, 2012, I did have conversations with some people in the industry about franchising. So, it was always in the back of my head. At that time, uh, I wasn't ready to get into it. And, uh, you know there there are a couple different growth models for companies and uh, and for a while I I sort of dabbled in which way we wanted to grow. Obviously, you know there are quick service um, uh, restaurant companies that are all privately owned or they're publicly owned and traded. Uh, and then there's franchise companies and, and there's pros and cons to both of them. And I think that you know with all the experience I have now. Um, it really made sense to teach people, you know, how to help me run the business in a sense of the franchisee relationship. And that's really where it came back around. Uh, You know, during the pandemic, uh, I was doing a little bit of consulting on the side and I was like, what am I better at consulting at than anything in the world? How to run a Taquerian restaurant. And I was like, gosh, like, I need to look at franchising again. And, um, and I think that we can really make a splash and I think that we can sort of you know, update the way franchising is and really keep a lot of quality control and, and a lot of support.
0: Now, when you were having those kind of thoughts and conversations, were you thinking, um, I'll just take the food truck and franchise the food truck as the franchise? Or were you always looking, okay, now we're going to have to get into brick and mortar here and do it that way?
1: Yeah, the transition to brick and mortar didn't have that much to do with uh, any franchising ideas. Um, it, it was more just uh, food trucks are hard, man. <laughs> you know, uh, they're they're hot, they're sweaty, um, they're not dirty from a health code standpoint, but you know, there's just a lot of uh, grease buildup and stuff that you have to clean every day. And uh, you know, I really enjoyed those days, but it's actually more difficult, in my opinion, to create standard operations around a food truck and to have, you know, a general manager of a food truck, in my opinion, has to be a much higher level person than a general manager of, of a quick service restaurant, because, you know, you're going different places every day, you're parking different places every day. Um, You have to know how to troubleshoot a generator and fix a water pump and all these different things. So I actually found it um, getting into the larger restaurants, which are also higher volume to be easier Um, And I think that that was really what paved the way for that growth. So the food truck was never really a thought for that. We've thought a little bit about offering uh, a food truck uh, type license for college campuses, uh, food programs and things of that nature. So you might see a little bit of that, but that's not a huge push um, with the franchising.
0: Now, you mentioned that your expertise uh, was around kind of running this type of a restaurant. Is that uh, something that you were able to quickly transfer the knowledge to people maybe not as passionate or as skilled or as you? Uh, and then you were realizing, hey, maybe I can replicate this. If I can do that, then you know, I'm, I'm almost there.
1: Right. I mean, so I, I was doing consulting, restaurant consulting, but for, for other people, not, you know, this was just some side stuff I was doing. And, and I was helping them with leadership culture and uh, standard operating procedures and uh, things of that nature, um, a little bit with marketing. But, um, you know, to be clear, we actually have not uh, sold a franchise unit yet. We're just launching, you know, we just finished our FDD. We're, we're out to market, you know, really just in the last couple of weeks. So, um, you know, we're obviously, uh, really excited to get someone on board and, and give them, give them a lot of support. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, passion's a little bit of an overrated word. It's starting to mean less these days. I think that you just need good people who want to run a good business and, and I can, we can teach those people exactly what to do.
0: So where do you think the opportunity lies when you have kind of a workforce that is, Uh, a little persiniquity at the moment. Uh, You know, you have a lot of folks that don't want to get into this kind of work. And how do you create a culture that makes uh, your place of work a place that they want to be part of? And, you know, a a hill they do want to climb and be part of a bigger mission.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Taquerian conceptually is is simple right um we have a limited amount of uh, gas equipment we don't do deep frying uh we have um a limited amount of skews and, and prep work so from an environmental standpoint um a lot of our employees find it um simpler and easier to execute our food and it, it enhances the quality of the work environment. You know, a lot of the people that we have have also worked at other quick service restaurants and it's not that it's easy. I mean, restaurant work's always going to be hard. Um, But a lot of it's about creating a concept that's not uh, unnecessarily complicated. Um, The other thing is our administrative processes and uh, the technology we use for, you know, everything from invoice processing to scheduling and everything else, you know, the managers can spend a lot more of their time, um, You know, uh, you know, working working in the shift, shoulder to shoulder with everyone. They don't have a lot of administrative work to do in our system. That also leads to a really good work culture. And then, you know, I can only speak for our company stores, um, but you know, I think it's a lot about leadership skills. and And this is a place where I have done leadership coaching before, and we can bring that to our franchisees um, to create, you know, the environment we want. You know, our company stores we've been very successful with. Uh, staff retention and and we haven't had a lot of the issues you're seeing out there right now obviously those issues are real and it's you know because restaurant work is you know kind of sucks sometimes right and and it's all about reframing the conversation you know and and just creating a concept that um sucks a little bit less and and trying to have fun while you're there really is, is how we see it compensation is another aspect you know to to compensate people correctly you know with a franchisee, we don't um, dictate that because that's not part of the franchise process. But it's certainly something that you know we want to align with people who um, you know believe in uh, you know to you know it, it really comes out. It's a, it's a business decision really, and and we feel like it pays off.
0: Now you mentioned that um, like leadership and and culture, it's an important part of of what you're offering uh, potential franchisees and you use the word coaching, uh, is coaching part of what the franchisee is going to get? I've noticed a lot more franchises offering some sort of regular coaching sessions, whether it be individual or group uh, to their franchisees. Is that something that uh, you're going to employ as well?
1: Yeah. So um, as part of our, our, um manager training which every franchisee would go to we actually have a huge section on uh leadership methodology which I think is unique I've read a lot of other people's manuals and they don't touch on this enough I don't think so there's going to be kind of a core um, tenor throughout the entire relationship that's going to be based around you know what we expect in terms of uh of how we want to lead you know our our operations in terms of the ongoing coaching, Yes, uh, we will do, but it's gonna obviously be on a case by case basis because some people are gonna need more than others. You know, another thing with leadership coaching is it's not all about um kind of teaching and managing people. A lot of it's almost (laughs) almost akin to therapy, right? I mean, you're you're talking through issues at their store, you know, there's interpersonal issues between people, okay, like what are the nuances here? You know, how do you deal with it? And uh you know, in that sense, um, yeah, we would we would provide a lot of support for that.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the key things to implement any type of coaching program is to reframe it uh, from something punitive to something as almost as a perk. That this isn't something you have to do; this is something you get to do, and it's only mm-hmm. going to help you uh, grow faster and um, and help you improve your your workforce and you personally. So um, that's the way I've seen it work best if you can reframe it from you know something that is um that you're trying to fix somebody you're just trying to help somebody be better
1: yeah that's right that's absolutely right
0: now um Since you don't have any franchisees right now, have you developed an idea at least around a persona or an avatar for that ideal franchisee? Is he the person that's getting one area or she getting one territory and and that's it? Are you looking for empire builders? Are you looking for professional franchisees where there's, this is just another brand in a portfolio? Yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, ideally, and look you know, we're, there's a lot of different types of people out there that I believe could successfully run a takarian store. So, you know, just to start with that, um, you know, we've thought about this a lot, and we we have all kinds of whiteboards on the wall with different things. And yes, I mean, you know, I think ideally, to just to start, we'd like a couple of individual unit franchisees, you know, that we can really give a lot of support to people who, you know, are likely first time franchisees. Um, just because of the nature of, you know, the fact that we're unproven and we're aware of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the the important thing is that, you know, they've got the finances where they can open it comfortably. They're not spending their last dollar doing it. They um, potentially, you know, have the finances where if it does, you know, if it performs well, that they can expand so that there's at least um, a trajectory there. And then in terms of who they are, I think, you know, that we want to, have a, a good relationship. They could be a lot of different type of people, but they need to be, you know, basically a good-hearted person. And in terms of experience, um, we just want people who are familiar with being on their feet and facing customers. So it doesn't have to be that they worked in a restaurant. It could be that they worked at a shoe store. It could be that they were a pharmacist. It could be, you know, a lot of different things. Um, but we want someone who at least knows what it's like to stand on their feet and face customers just so that we understand that they, they are aware of those demands. Uh, and other than that, there's really a lot of different types of people who could be successful in terms of empire building and multi-unit. Yeah, of course, we'd love to to have the right partner, um, build lots of stores. To, you know, everybody wants that, but I think you have to be careful when you're starting out and you have to create a nice base and a pad to build on. And so I think we're just tra- trying to start a little bit slow.
0: Now, what about location? Are you looking at, you know, college areas? Are you looking at the exurbs? Uh, is there a certain, uh, you know, kind of population or demographics that you're looking for where successful units can operate?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, second tier cities, uh, like in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, um, South Carolina, you know, we're interested in getting into Maryland and Virginia, but we're not yet registered in those States. um, you know, those are the types of areas where I think we'd like to, to kick it off. Uh, we're also open to up in new England, you know, Massachusetts. Um, and you know, if we found the right partner, we'd potentially be open in a lot of places, but I think we're going to focus our energy in terms of marketing to the mid Atlantic region. And in terms of the real estate itself, um, you know, there's a lot of types of real estate we can do well in. uh, And I think suburban strip centers, you know, modernized suburban strip centers are really, really good uh, for concepts like this. And then I also think that in um, more urban areas, they can be, but, you know, things have changed a lot in the last couple of years with central business districts being, you know, they used to be five-day markets. Now they're three-day markets, right? Um, So, you know, the the office um, that we used to look at in real estate, has changed a lot, so it's it's a little bit of something to to sidestep and just kind of figure out what else is there. You know, ideally, we want uh, centers where there is office and residential um, and experiential things going on, and you know, everybody wants that. You know, I'm saying I, I'm describing the perfect real estate. I realize that, but you know, I think it's important to to bring the product to where the customers are going to interact with it best.
0: Does it work best in areas where, um, you know, people are focused on their health and wellness? Like, does it work well in a, um, a strip center that has maybe a fitness center or is it work? Does it have to have a grocery store? Are there are certain kind of markers that make uh, one location better than another.
1: Uh, we perform well around fitness centers. We, think our food is really well balanced and eats relatively light. We don't market ourselves as specifically healthy because I, you know, we don't want to border too disingenuous, but we do think that it's the type of thing that's light. doesn't weigh you down for the rest of the day, has a lot of vegetables in it. So there is some appeal there. There's no question. Um, But the grocery store thing is actually huge, right? I, I, the, the biggest thing is that we, um we know that we're not Chipotle, right? So we need to be somewhere where people come there on a routine basis. Um, and and we get that kind of exposure. So, um, you know, coffee shops like Starbucks, particularly grocery stores, and then gyms are good because it's really part of someone's routine. And, uh, so those are all very good things. Um, that we look for and also that we've experienced um in our own company stores
0: now in the growth of the company and i'm sure the pandemic uh, might have kind of spurred some of this do you have uh like an easy ordering app for pickup and curbside and things like that or is that almost table stakes in today's world
1: yeah, I mean, I've, everyone should have that. Um, we we uh, yeah we have uh, integrated online ordering for um, pickup uh, or delivery, um, and then obviously we're on the third party apps as well. But we encourage people to go to takarine.com for. You can also order delivery through there. We also integrate directly with a third party where they actually deliver our white label orders, which um, operationally makes it really easy for us because we get to retain all the customer data. Um, and, uh, obviously we pay a flat delivery fee instead of a percentage, um, and we get to own our customer experience. So if anything goes wrong, it's easier for us to refund them or give them credit for next time. Whereas if anything goes wrong with a third party order, we, uh, you know, we we're not the ones that took their money. So it's hard for us to service those customers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fully integrated. And from a, uh, an operator standpoint, it's all integrated into our point of sale and into our accounting system. There's very little um, you know, manual entry, if any, that's required with that system.
0: So if somebody wants to learn more about the opportunity, what's the website?
1: Uh, it's going to launch this week and it is, um, well, talkareen.com. You can obviously get to it. And then
0: from there, there'll be a way to get into the franchise if you're interested exactly. in the opportunity.
1: Um, but it'll be talkareen.com. Let me just double check. com. I wanted to make sure it wasn't Takareanfranchising. Yes. So it's Um, Also, you can get there from com as well, where you can see our core business.
0: And that's T-A-K-O-R-E-A-N.com. That's right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again.
0: All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.